Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to All Things Florida. That theme song isn't just a ringing of the bell that the radio program is beginning with Dr. Ed Moore and me, Preston Scott. It is now a symbol. It's a victory symbol. An audible clarion call that says it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. We got some times to work through, but things are going to be okay. Keep the faith. Yeah. (laughs) And every other pithy little line we can throw out there. No, (laughs) things will be okay. We have much to talk about on the program, of course. We we will spend nine good minutes with Carol Dover, the president and CEO of the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association. Boy, you talk about a place, an industry that brace yourselves. Yeah. uh, And it's when you talk about all things Florida... Yeah, that is all things Florida. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a huge part of who we are, uh, the people she represents, and it's tough times right now. Very good, tough. good to see communities, including the one that we call home, rally around the restaurant workers and say, "Hey, order out." Yes, give big tips. Do what you can. Uh, over tip. Yeah, do yeah. what you can. Uh, we also have um, a, a trip on the wayback machine to something called Foul Town. We'll talk about that. We've got uh, what's happening in the world of sports. Well, it's evolving in its own way during this time. <laughs> and we'll talk about that as well as Florida Man and more. But first, we start with, uh, well, a subject that's near and dear to your heart. Yeah, education. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just uh, sitting and I'm, I'm on social media a lot this week and looking and reading and seeing what people say. And, and having kids at home. Uh, it was a new phenomenon, apparently, for a lot of people uh, because they're home with them, too. And and I think coming out of this, there'll be a lot of positive things that will come out of this. But one will be a renewed and strongly in- endorsed respect for teachers. Uh, parents are finding out that homeschooling is not as easy as one might think. Uh, you know, that now the kids are home at least until May 1st and then... <laughs> People are assuming they may be home all the way through the summer. Uh, it, it's a different world. I, new just, math has taken on new meaning. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that you know the old Alice Cooper song. You know about schools out for yeah. the summer. Uh, you know, I'm thinking uh, the, in the line in that uh, schools out forever and schools been blown to pieces. Well, you, if you read the post people are putting up there, yeah, they're going to go in and rebuild the schools. Uh, the, some of the quotes, the best line I saw it said of. If the schools are closed for too long, the parents are going to find a cure before the scientists. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just got a few quotes of parents just right off of their pages. Oh, my God. That was one of them. Uh, we can do this with very little <laughs> bloodshed or maybe a little duct tape. <laughs> 
I had a full panic attack after one hour of schooling this morning. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you're seeing. Think about those teachers that we all take for granted. You know, it's not just, me. Yeah. I'm married to one. You're of married them. to one, yeah. And uh, what they do every day, and uh, there a lot of them are helping. Uh, you're seeing very cool things like uh, parades, teacher parades, just to reinforce going through neighborhoods and waving at the kids, alerting them via, prior via email. You know, go stand outside, and they're all waving and just to boost morale. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting you know, a lot of lessons online. A lot of uh, the first day of homeschool, at least in in uh, well. In Leon and a lot of other areas around the state, uh, there were problems because the systems weren't quite ready for for this. Uh, there's some books out there. I mean, uh, uh, we we have some that we've shared with our older grandchildren that you know the the everything you need to know as a first grader, second grader, third third. Those are most excellent books, and you can order them online uh, and just work out of those if you're having trouble getting the online lesson plans. Uh, just keeping these kids learning. We don't want to go back to the dark ages just because everybody's home, you know. So the problem uh, is that that there are parents that are kind of writing, and you can tell by the way they write they're engaged. They're they're making the, they're trying. They're giving it the old college effort, right? Yeah. But sadly, one of the things that I'm observing is that there are parents that are totally disconnected. They're not replying to emails about, hey, I'm not hearing anything from your son or daughter. And then there's crickets there. Yeah, that's very sad. So that that also goes to what we've talked about in the prior show about this uh, need to feed uh, so many children, uh, you know, those same parents that don't bother feeding their kids breakfast or lunch or feeding them on the weekend. I, I don't think they're really worried about giving them a math lesson. Well, and mem- that's a problem. Well, memo to moms and dads. If you're not hearing from your teacher, check your spam folder because yes. the teachers are teaching. Yes, they are. And yeah. there's something wrong. Yeah. So don't think that, well, they're just not teaching yet. Yeah. No, they are. I had a friend down in Miami that posted up a picture of. of Where? in Miami posted a picture up and it had he has uh, three kids and he had stacks this is one week's worth of lessons that he had printed off right and the stacks were like four inches on every kid a ream of paper yeah and he was like oh no how are we gonna do this but it'll get done and but uh, you know when this all ends uh, we've got many people to whom we're gonna owe thanks and uh, I was in the grocery store this morning I made sure to thank every worker there I saw but when this is all over, normal returns, bless our teachers, thank our teachers, and encourage them as we move forward into the, into the new year uh, or at the end of this year, however this works out. Busy, busy times we are finding ourselves in for very different reasons than we normally find ourselves busy. This is a different kind of busy. It has been used a lot lately, a new norm, um, and it's ever-changing. Yeah, it's but life has we just don't notice it, but life changes all the time anymore. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, life finds a way. It finds a way. More of all things Florida next. Welcome back to All Things Florida. Dr. Ed Moore sitting there. I'm sitting here. I'm just Preston Scott. Yeah, and we're only about 
four and a half feet away from each other. I was going to talk to you about that. I'm not very comfortable with the fact that you that that foot and a half is yeah, making me very nervous, I, I, sir. I, I can't get this mic to extend that far. So I'll have to work on that. You could turn around. I could, I could do that. <laughs> Nine Good Minutes segment, as promised, uh, we talk with Carol Dover. She is the president and CEO of the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Carol, good to have you with us on the program. How are you? I'm great. Good morning, Preston, Ed. Uh, hey, that, that four feet, we can, we, can, we can go get you another cord, Ed, so you can get that extra <laughs> two feet away. I promise. <laughs> is it possible yeah. to describe, Carol, what the last four weeks have been like in the world of restaurants and lodging in the Sunshine State? Oh, wow. Surreal. Um, I feel like every day I'm, I wake up and think, please tell me, God, it was a nightmare. Um, I, my heart bleeds for our industry and our, our state right now because we're just we're getting closures every day, people hanging on by their fingernails, just trying not to let their family members go. You know, our industry is very family oriented. And so thank you, Governor DeSantis, um, because if we didn't have takeout and deliveries right now, I think you'd see, you know, every one of them would obviously be closed down. Carol, when you first heard, or let take us just a snapshot through the chronology of how this unfolded for you and your industry go back a few weeks to when this started to bubble up. How did you hear and when did you hear what was likely to happen within the state of Florida with, with restaurants and, uh, and lodging? Well, you know, I, I was probably like a lot of people in the early days, I thought of it as the flu and it was a little bit like, okay, you know, come on, a lot more people die of the flu. And then all of a sudden, you know, we started to realize these numbers were multiplying pretty quickly, and and obviously, I'm you know in the travel and tourism industry, we start hearing about all the international issues we're having, and my very first thought was, there is no way if you take all of the restaurant food chain offline that that the grocery stores are going to handle it. And you remember the very first week we had the run on toilet paper. I mean, you go in Publix and all of our great friends at the grocery store, which are great partners of ours, but I started to see the shelves empty like a hurricane. And I, and I thought, you know, this is, this is going to be catastrophic if our restaurants get shut down and they're obviously gathering places, right? I mean, where do you go to, you know, see your friends? Mm -hmm. So we immediately started to work with the administration and um, the governor and Secretary Halsey Bashirs at DDPR, I want to give a great shout out to him. He's been amazing. And pretty much begging, you know, please leave us open as essential. Um, and, and they have. See, now we tried the 50%, and unfortunately, one, there were too many abusers, and two, um, it was spreading too fast. And so when the governor decided I've got to take out, you know, the seated, but I'm going to allow takeout and delivery and um, curbside, uh, we were still incredibly grateful. And to this day are because it, it, and then he lifted the ban on alcohol, which I've got members that will tell you, I know this sounds crazy, but you know, that, that 1% that they might be making on selling that bottle of wine or beer or you know whatever they're selling 
could be the difference between keeping their doors open and not. So, so lifting that alcohol ban was a, a huge uh, help for our industry. Yeah, we're speaking with Carol Dover, the president of the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Carol, uh, that to that uh, item you just mentioned, that was a big change allowing these places to have takeout alcohol. Uh, you know, can you speak to that? Well, it you know it's uh, obviously a commodity that you know people want to have a glass of wine with their meal or you know and, and there was not a lot of places at that point you know you'd have to make another stop it was some people don't want to go into a store where you have to be around more people and so it was just a critical need for the governor to be able to allow people to make one stop not have to make two or three different ones and our members started to get creative about putting them everything in containers. They put tables outside and they mark your name. And, you know, there's literally no hand to hand contact in many cases. And so we've, we've seen entrepreneurship just in, in the best way uh, with sometimes you see when, you know, when one door closes, our industry has found a way to open another door, and, and that was one. And Grocerants, that's another one that's taking off. A lot of our members are using their culinary talents to um, become like many grocery stores, and that's very exciting for us. Yeah, I saw a little bit on the news last night I thought was interesting. I don't know if anyone's doing it in Florida. Uh, a group founded a uh, not-for-profit organization, so it was charitable where you could donate money in, and what then they were doing was buying meals from restaurants in their town to feed hospital workers. Uh, right. Very creative. And, you know, I, does anybody do I, anything like that in Florida? Uh, let me tell you about John Rivers. Johnny Rivers, if you don't know, in Four Rivers Barbecue, you've got to know that place. Um, John Rivers is the founder. He's in Orlando. So we have a partnership with the Department of Elder Affairs because, you know, obviously feeding our elderly has become incredibly challenging. Meals on Wheels can't keep up with the volume. Um, many of our elderly cannot go out into public. So John Rivers started this program called Feed the Need. We're taking it statewide. Um, just as an example, last week, he said 11,000 students, because a lot of our kids, they rely on going to school to get meals. And all of a sudden, he realized these kids aren't getting fed. Now, you know, we have a lot of locals doing that as well. But I just want to give a shout out to him because last week he fed 1,000 families. He did 10,000 meals that were delivered to the elderly. And now they have, to your point, um, discussions are in play with hospitals to make food and have them delivered to hospitals. And so we're in the process of working with him to build a network all over the state of restaurants and caterers that can help feed the, student, the kids, the elderly, the hospitals, the first responders. Um, and that's what we do. You know, we, you know us. We do this during hurricanes and oil spills. I mean, we, this is what our industry is known for in a, in a time of need. Carol, help our listeners know what is impacted by the stay-at-home order from the governor that was just obviously put into effect yesterday. How is it impacting the lodging side of, of things in the in the state? 
Well, from the lodging perspective, not a lot has changed. Because remember that what the governor did with the stay-at-home order had already been done by many local municipalities. Miami-Dade's been on that for, for already almost two weeks, and many counties had. But he blanketed the state with the exact same, you know, what's going to be good in one county will be good in another. So he allowed... Um, for restaurants to still remain essential with our takeout and delivery and our hotels. What people probably don't realize is we have hotels all over the state that are um, taking care of the homeless. Some of them are operating in, like many hospitals where we have some of the COVID-19 patients or uh, patients staying there. Some of them have first responders. And then I have a member in South Florida yesterday who, um, it does happen to be a Ritz-Carlton. There's a lady, that, uh, elderly couple that lived there. It's their home. But he has kind of the reverse where someone in his family tested positive. So the, so the positive the family member is staying at home and the family has moved into the hotel. Um, so it's, you know, it's critical that we still have opportunities for people to be housed, not your traditional tourists. No, we don't have people... You know, this is not intended for people to fly in, <clears throat> plan on a vacation, check in, and go hang out at the beach. Right. That's not what we're doing today. In fact, we need people off the beach. That that became one of our biggest challenges is our poor governor got hit with the first week of this at spring break. And by the way, the pictures that everybody sees on Facebook, many of those pictures were old pictures. You know, I was getting inundated with pictures when people would see on Facebook these pictures with hundreds of people, and then my members would send me a picture and say, no, this is what my beach looks like today. And there was no one on the beach. So that, but that was a challenge. And so I think our governor was correct to do, you know, if we're going to get this under control, people need to stay home and only go out for what's essential. And and that's where we are today. Carol, thanks for making a little time for uh, Ed and me this morning on the program. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Carol Carol Dover with us this morning with the uh, Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Tough place to be right now. It is. It is. And uh, the Flor- you know, Florida's dependency on tourism, uh, it, it goes to the heart of a lot of this. Uh, uh, the restaurant side, we all like to eat out. And you and I have both encouraged people to still frequent those restaurants. Uh, you can call in. Almost every one of them has an online menu. You can call in and order your food. And uh, But the hotel end, uh, that's a whole different story there than Hopefully this will end soon. We can get past all this. Carol Dover, President, CEO of the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association, our guest for nine good minutes here on All Things Florida. We've got a check of news in just a moment or two when we come back. Florida history, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. we got a lot to get through. It's kind of an unusual time, so there's much to discuss as you uh, sit back and enjoy your weekend with us on All Things Florida. with you 
another edition of All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore. I'm Preston Scott. And uh, one of our favorite segments, going back years for you and me, um, we're both lovers of history. You just know more. No, I, I just read it all the time. I don't yeah, know well, if I know more. I just read. No, nah, you do. You do. Yeah. You've you've forgotten more about history than I know. But mm-hmm. at any rate, um, we like to take a trip in the wayback machine most every show in Florida history. And you want to talk about something called what? Foul Town. Okay. No. Wait. 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 Foul but, like the chicken. Okay. Because when you say that. My mind and I. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kid you not. My mind immediately goes to the Detroit Pistons with Bill Lambeer. <laughs> I was thinking baseball. You know, so. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, they were the most brutal, ruthless that, that, defensive that was, team. Detroit was foul town. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they were foul town. But you're talking about something else. Yeah. Go back about 200 years. Uh, there was a band of of uh, uh, Red Stick uh, Creek Indians, or they called themselves Mikasuki uh, back at that time. Uh, there was a settlement about 90 miles north of Tallahassee, up near, there was a foul town, there's a foul creek up there. Okay. And they settled uh, there and then moved south uh, down along the Flint River around Decatur County area. If you go to the now, which is Lake Seminole, but the rivers just used to come through there. Uh, they they settled in there and uh, they had a couple hundred people live in this community. Uh, it was led by Neamathla, who uh, I think his picture is actually hanging. When Jeb was governor, at least he had all the Seminole chiefs in the uh, in in his office. There are pictures of them. Uh, he was one of them, uh, and he was a little bit of a troublemaker. But Fowltown uh, came uh, from uh, here's the. It was called Tutakosi Talofa, which is the Hachidi Indian language. That was the language of the Creeks. And what basically what Can it Can you means, say that in mixed company? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what it means it meant was chicken town. I mean, they apparently okay. must have raised a lot of chickens and whatever. And it, it, it became foul town. Uh, by 1817, there were a couple hundred people living there, and then they had to move it. They moved it on the west bank of the Chattahoochee River uh, in modern Jackson County, Florida, but it was all along the same rivers there, the Flint River, Chattahoochee, and Apalachicola River. Uh, and then they had moved again. They, that was in 1816 or so, and they moved again uh, on the south bank of the Flint. They moved back up to right about the Georgia-Florida line. And if you look on the map now, if you if you enlarge in on your phone, going up 27 like you're going to go to Bainbridge, mm-hmm. right around Adipulgus, if you pull it out, you'll see there's a little community there on the map called Fowltown, uh, you know, which is interesting. It's uh, by Watauga Road. Uh, I don't know if you know that part of. I do not. Uh, okay, uh, but the chief uh, got in a dispute with the commander of Fort Scott uh, over ownership of the land because the Creeks had ceded a bunch of land to the um, American troops or to the U.S. He didn't want to do that, and so he got in a dispute with them. Uh, they had General Gaines, uh, who Gainesville is named after. He sent a, a force of two hundred fifty men to destroy Fowltown, and. Uh, 
the Miccosukees beat beat them off. They the Indian the natives won on that battle, so they sent a larger party, and this is part of Andy Jackson coming into Florida and all. And uh, most people would say that this battle at Fowltown was the beginning of the first Seminole War. It was the first shots fired, the first real engagement in that war. Uh, and there's what's known as the Scott Massacre uh, in November of 1817. The, the, this Miccosukee tribe attacked a sailing of, up the Apalachicola River. We had supplies for Camp Crawford, which was up at the north end of the river, uh, right at where the Flint River comes in and converges. And they were bringing supplies up there. And there were 26 soldiers, seven women, four kids, and 20 armed soldiers on these barges going up the river. And the uh, natives uh, basically destroyed them. Uh, only six soldiers and one woman uh, survived by swimming to the opposite bank and being embraced by the Creek uh, tribe that was in that area and gave them shelter. Otherwise, Neomathalo would, would have wiped them out completely. They ended up moving from there to the east bank of the Miccosukee, uh, Lake Mc, Lake Miccosukee. On the east side on Jefferson County, Florida, was the last foul town uh, right along the banks of the, the Lake Miccosukee. So uh, it's early early Florida history. Kind of, I, I always find that fascinating. But right amongst us, right where we are here in you know Leon County, uh, these uh, native tribes were moving through and moving around, and uh, and it was the opening for. The U.S., I think this is 1817, right about when we were working, 1821, I think, was the Adams-Onis Treaty to transfer Florida from Spain. I mean, this was Spanish Florida mm-hmm. at that time frame. Uh, kind of a, a, a unique look at Florida history. And imagine if you wandered around the woods around where these settlements were. Uh, if you worked real hard, you'd probably find, I'm, I'm sure it's been picked over pretty good, but uh, this was 200 years ago. The, this was going on right where we are today. Uh, fascinating. I'm going to segue. I'm going to use history as kind of the segue here. One of the ways that I've always found you can measure the scope and size of an event is through sports. Mm-hmm. And the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted sports in very dramatic ways. All the spring sports, the NCAA having to deal with eligibility issues, high schools closing down sports, Wimbledon canceled for the first time. It it's been a, it's the oldest tennis tournament in the world since 1877. They canceled for the first time ever in peacetime. Yeah, it World only War canceled for World War 1 and World War 2. And so it's created this strange new alternative universe or universe called virtual sports. Yeah. Have well, you watched any of it? it yes, I have. Uh, actually, I watched the NASCAR race last week uh, from Texas, Mo- it, it, Texas Motor Speedway. It grew from 900,000 viewers the week before to 1.3 million yeah. last weekend. Yeah. Uh, a guy, and, a guy uh, named Timmy Hill won the. the but you know Texas how they're Motor doing Speedway. it, right? Explain. Well, it's, it's, it's you watch it, it, it when you're, if you're just kind of glancing at your TV while it's on. You think they're really running? I yes, mean, it's, it's so real. Yes, <laughs> you know, spinouts, wrecks, yes, uh, announcers. I mean, you, you know, you can convince yourself that this is really going on. Uh, I, I, I just see it as a jump. You know, we've seen in NASCAR and the NFL and college sports, uh, football, 
attendance going down. And, and part of it is a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials don't tend to be that enthralled with sitting for a long period of time watching a sporting event. It's also expensive and to go. it's very expensive. You go to a NASCAR race. I'm, I've been blessed. I've got friends in that industry and you know get to go and watch some of these races. But it costs a lot of money. You take a family of four and try to go to Daytona, you're, you know, you're shelling out some bucks. Well, they just don't have an interest in that generation uh, you know that much of an interest in doing that, but they have a tremendous interest in in basement sports, if you will. Yeah, you know, and, and doing these uh, you know, the the virtual has become so real that if you go to a movie theater when they reopen, a lot of these movies you don't know if it's really being acted. Is that really happening, or is this the virtual part of the movie? They're getting so good at it; it looks so real. And uh, the same happens with these races. I know you're going to see, you, you mentioned the NBA. Yeah. Well, well, you've got actual drivers in their man caves, wherever they are, with simulators yeah. in, in the iCar or iRace circuit. And it's now Indy, NASCAR, they're all doing this. Yeah. And they're cross-discipline drivers. Jimmy Johnson ran an IndyCar race last weekend. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. I don't, have you ever been in, a, in an air, aircraft simulator mm-hmm. and done that? Uh, you feel like you're flying. I did it at, over at Embry Riddle, uh, one of our one of the universities from ICUF, and they put me in a simulator, and I crashed trying to take off three times. But you know, <laughs> but then I finally got it up in the air. And you, once you're doing it, you feel um, those drivers that are simulating doing this. I'm sure they feel like it, physically, like they're really driving. Yeah, they, yeah. They, it was described to me as the only thing missing is the G-force. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is there. Yeah, it's it's, it's cool to watch. I mean, it, check it out. I, I got to tell you, check it out. When we come back to all things Florida, we've got some Florida man stories, some information that I think will be useful to some of you, hopefully all of you in some form or fashion. And uh, one big thing from Ed and me, you're listening to All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore and Preston Scott. Stay with us. hard-hitting okay maybe not (laughs) all things florida dr ed moore i'm preston scott good to be with you talent outdoors just a moment away um there's a lot of information people are having to digest right now It's, it's overwhelming and my heart goes out to so many that are really dramatically impacted by this yes and so I want to give some information that might be useful. So let me give you just a quick sec to uh, grab something to write with and write on and uh, pass along some some intel that might be useful. First and foremost, if you are looking for information that is unvarnished, I have been telling people for the last several weeks, Ed, as we've started to ramp up and go through this, be very mindful of your sources. There are too many people with too much time on their hands, and they're pushing out stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that is just irresponsible. Yeah, it's uh, it's an ex- exponential leap of fake news. I mean, that, that, you know, it's tough enough sorting through what the networks are putting on, but when you go to social media and you start seeing this stuff, it, source it. 
double and triple source it. It's do what people who do research do, where they they never take anything at face value. They go deep, and that's what you have to do. Especially in times like these, you know that my world is the world of information, and it's so frustrating to me. And so, for example, what's going on in Florida with the virus? Go to the Florida Department of Health. I can't help you if you're of the mindset, well, they're not going to tell you the truth anyway, Preston, so I don't know why you're going there. <laughs> if, you, if you've got a better source, you go right ahead. But here's my advice, flhealth.gov slash COVID-19. flhealth.gov slash COVID-19, the number 19. That's where you get the latest information on what's going on in Florida relative to that. It, they'll put executive orders there. They'll give you stats. They'll give you what the best practices are uh, based on anything that's evolving in what they learn about this thing. Another thing I want you to be aware of, businesses are being dramatically impacted by this. State government, along with the federal government, along with some local governments, are doing everything that they can do to try to provide relief. Florida has an emergency bridge loan program. And if you want information on that, you send an email to disaster at floridasbdc.org. That's disaster at floridasbdc.org. And then lastly, I wanted to mention is uh, if you're in the city of Tallahassee and you're struggling making your utility bill because you're, you know, there are a lot of people living check to check. And that check's been disrupted and you're not getting your unemployment right away and the stimulus check is in the mail, so to speak, talgov.com slash utility relief or call them 891-4968. The bottom line is the city is saying, we will work with you. We're not shutting off your power. Just get in touch with us. Let us know that you need some help. We'll work it out. So it's talgov.com slash utility relief it's as simple as that yeah and and i would add to that to make sure i mean there's all kind of people posting up oh people don't have to pay their rent people don't have to pay their utilities don't worry about paying your phone bill don't do that yeah reach out always reach out to the people that you are paying to to make sure if they have a program in place and how you qualify for that program there was a lot of stuff on income taxes people saying oh i don't have to pay my income taxes now for two more months or whatever you better file by April 15th and then ask for the extension. There's forms there that you have to fill out. You just can't assume, oh, I don't need to pay. No, you do. But you can get a delay in payment if you owe money to the government, but you have to do it correctly. Well, now, they've, they've, they've changed the deadline for filing. It's been changed to July 15th. That's for No, you still have to file on the 15th, my understanding. You still have to file. You don't have to pay. Okay, well, I've got a different understanding. Okay, well. <laughs> there you then, go. There you go. Look it up. Yeah, look it up. We have two different understandings. Yeah. Um, but regardless, the bottom line is that. My, my accountant's pushing me to get it all done. So, <laughs> Well, I'm sure. Because he's got a bunch of people waiting until July 15th. He wants to get you out of the way. <laughs> get me out of the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the reality here is don't expect grace. No. Uh, seek it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. It's not one of these do it and then ask for forgiveness later. No. Yeah, your landlord is not Jesus. Uh, yeah, you, you need to seek mercy there. Because he has bills to pay as well. Yeah. Um, 
Florida man is not disappointing in these times. Never will. Uh, one of them, in fact, is kind of related to the whole viral thing. But this one, Brevard County, a Florida man, even with a burn ban in place, set off a 10-acre brush fire with a gender reveal, shooting a gun into Tannerite and setting off a blaze that covered 10 acres before they got it under control. Oh, boy. <laughs> There are no names in the article. No, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but but they know who they are. They yeah, yeah, they absolutely know who they are. And then this is kind of my favorite because it's related to the pandemic. Uh Kauai police have arrested a Florida man, 62-year-old <laughs> Dwight Anthony Tucker for violating the state's mandatory 14-day quarantine order. He's from Tampa, arrived in Kauai on Monday, checked into uh a hotel and then uh, subsequently just wandered around and didn't pay attention yeah, and yeah. was promptly arrested. So it, here's what I wrote down in the he, notes he on this. He probably also thinks that Hawaii is not part of the United States, too. So, you know. Here, here's to me. Florida man has found his way to Hawaii. Yeah, there you go. Well, I, I, I made a note to myself this week. I thought we maybe we, we need, need to rename this instead of being the Florida man segment to uh, stupid people doing stupid things, you know, because <laughs> you know, a, a friend of mine, Boyd Lafitte, posted this week about a, watching a lady at the, at the at the local grocery store rifling through all of the chicken, picking them up, every package up and picking up and looking at it, put their own back down. Uh, you know, come on, uh, you know, come on, lady, don't do that. <laughs> uh, uh, the the Florida man story to me of the week was that former Greensboro police chief uh, was arrested by Gadsden County Sheriff uh, after he stabbed somebody with a machete. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, he, he went to this people's house with a machete and, and started hacking them up. And the best part of the story that makes it real Florida man is I'll read right out of the story. Uh, his name is Hall. It says, Hall, who deputies say has an extensive criminal history, was booked into the Gadsden County Jail. And I'm reading this going, say, what, what? He's the former Greensboro police chief with an extensive criminal history. Mm, there you go. That's the quintessential Florida man. <laughs> One big thing. I'm going to give you about a minute and a half to tee it up. Well, uh, you know, this week with the, the in the multitude of stories that are out there, but the ones about the cruise ships, and particularly two Holland American cruise line yeah. boats, but then the head of the Coast Guard put out an order, brief order, and the president overruled him pretty quickly, uh, saying that all the ships that were at sea needed to stay at sea indefinitely. But the thing that bothers me the most, and, and it's We've talked a lot about behavior and how to respond to, to as Americans to a crisis. You know, in, in hurricanes, we're Florida strong, we're panhandle strong. Uh, in, in this case, some people are being strong and some people are just being complete weenies. And I go back to FDR and, and it used to, you know, with his chats talking about we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Mm -hmm. You go back to that line. It's the same now. And what really disturbs me right now is, you know, fear, fear at first will gobble up freedoms. People will give up rights and liberties right away. Uh, fear, fear will uh, gobble up rationality on some people after a while. It, it, it gobbles up faith. Uh, people lose faith, and, and some do in the crisis. And after a while, it, it just completely 
obliterates humanity. And to think that people having these ships at sea with Americans, people from other countries, sick, uh, trying to figure out how to help them, and people saying, no, no, go away, don't come. It's it, We're going back to medieval times with the wall and closing the gates. And, you know, we've got a plague going on out there. You stay outside the wall. Don't We're not going to deal with you. Just go ahead and die. I, I just don't think that's who we are. Uh, I'm just disgusted by people that, are, that have the willingness to say, you know, we can't have them here and send them to another port. Uh, it's the worst kind of NIMBY. And we're better than that. We need to find our better selves and have faith. Have faith that we'll get through this and have faith in your neighbors and people around you. We are better than this. Well, I'm going to leave you with my one big thing, which is a few lines that were sent to me via email on the uh, on the show during the week. We're about three weeks away from knowing everyone's true hair color. <laughs> and now that we've got everybody washing their hands correctly, next week, turn signals. <laughs> for Dr. Ed Moore. That's an impossibility. <laughs> for Dr. Ed Moore, I'm Preston Scott. Thanks for joining us for All Things Florida. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.